James and the Giant Peach, chapters 36, 37, 38, and 39. This is recorded with permission from Puffin Penguin Books. Chapter 37. It was really an amazing sight. And in two or three minutes, as soon as the people below realized that this now couldn't possibly be a bomb, they came pouring out of the shelters and subways to gape at the marvel. The streets for half a mile around the building were jammed with men and women, and when the word spread that there were actually living things moving about on the top of the great round ball, then everyone went wild with excitement. It's a flying saucer, they shouted. They are from outer space. They are men from Mars. Or maybe they came from the moon. And a man who had a pair of binoculars to his eyes said, they look pretty peculiar to me, I'll tell you that. Police cars and fire engines came screaming in from all over the city and pulled up outside the Empire State Building. 200 firemen and 600 policemen swarmed into the building and went up in the elevators as high as they could go. Then they poured out onto the observation roof, which is the place where the tourists stand, just at the bottom of the big spike. All the policemen were holding their guns at the ready, with their fingers on the triggers, and the firemen were clutching their hatchets. But from where they stood, almost directly underneath the peach, they couldn't actually see the travelers up on top. Ahoy there! shouted the chief of police. Come out and show yourselves. Suddenly, the great brown head of the centipede appeared over the side of the marble, or the peach. His black eyes, as large and round as two marbles, glared down at the policemen and the firemen below. Then his monstrous, ugly face broke into a wide grin. The policemen and the firemen all started shouting at once. Look out, they cried. It's a dragon! It's not a dragon, it's a wampus. It's a gorgon. It's a sea serpent. It's a proc. It's a manacore. The three firemen and five policemen fainted and had to be carried away. It's a snozwanger, cried the chief of police. It's a wangdoodle, yelled the head of the fire department. The centipede kept on grinning. He seemed to be enjoying enormously the commotion that he was causing. "'Now see here,' shouted the chief of police, cupping his hands to his mouth. "'You listen to me. I want you to tell me exactly where you've come from.' "'We've come from thousands of miles away,' the centipede shouted back, grinning more broadly than ever and showing his brown teeth. "'There you are,' cried the chief of police. "'I told you they came from Mars.' "'I guess you're right,' said the head of the fire department." At this point, the old green grasshopper poked his huge green head over the side of the peach alongside the centipedes. Six more big, strong men fainted when they saw him. That one's an oink, screamed the head of the fire department. I just know it's an oink. Or a cockatrice, yelled the chief of police. Stand back, men. It may jump down on us any moment. What on earth are they talking about? The old green grasshopper said to the centipede. Search me, the centipede answered, but they seem to be in an awful stew about something. Then Miss Spider's large, black, murderous-looking head, which to a stranger was probably the most terrifying of all, appeared next to the grasshoppers. 
Snakes and ladders, yelled the head of the fire department. We are finished now. It's a giant scorpula. It's worse than that, cried the chief of police. It's a vermicious gnid. Oh, just look at its vermicious, gruesome face. Is that the kind that eats fully grown men for breakfast? The head of the fire department asked, going white as a sheet. I'm afraid it is, the chief of police answered. Oh, please, why doesn't someone help us get down from here? Miss Spider called out. It's making me giddy. This could be a trick, said the head of the fire department. Don't anyone make a move until I say. They've probably got space guns, muttered the chief of police. But we've got to do something, the head of the fire department announced grimly. About five million people are standing there on the streets watching us. Then why don't you put up a ladder, the chief of police asked him. I'll stand at the bottom and hold it steady for while you go up and see what's happening. Thanks very much, snapped the head of the fire department. Soon there were no less than seven large, fantastic faces peering down over the side of the peach. The centipedes, the old green grasshoppers, Miss Spiders, the earthworm, the ladybugs, the silkworms, and the glowworms. And a sort of panic was beginning to break out among the firemen and the policemen on the rooftop. Then, all at once, the panic stopped and a great gasp of astonishment went up all around. For now, a small boy was seen to be standing up there beside the other creatures. His hair was blowing in the wind, and he was laughing and waving and calling out, Hello, everybody. Hello. For a few moments, the men below just stood and stared and gaped. They simply couldn't believe their eyes. Bless my soul, cried the head of the fire department, going red in the face. It really is a little boy, isn't it? Don't be frightened of us, please, James called out. We are so glad to be here. What about those others beside you, shouted the chief of police. Are any of them dangerous? Of course they're not dangerous, James answered. They're the nicest creatures in the world. Allow me to introduce them to you one by one, and then I'm sure you will believe me. My friends, this is the centipede, and let me make it known he is so sweet and gentle that, although he's overgrown, the Queen of Spain again and again has summoned him by phone to babysit and sing and knit and be a chaperone when nurse is off and all the royal children are alone. Small wonder, said a fireman, they're no longer on the throne. The earthworm on the other hand, said James, beginning to expand, is great for digging up the land and making old soils newer. Moreover, you should understand, he would be absolutely grand for digging subway tunnels and for making you a sewer. The earthworm blushed and beamed with pride. Miss Spider clapped and cheered and cried, Could any words be truer? And the grasshopper, ladies and gents, is a boon in million and millions of ways. You have only to ask him to give you a tune, and he plays and he plays and he plays. As a toy for your children, he's perfectly sweet. There's nothing so good in the shops. You've only to tickle the soles of his feet, and he hops and he hops and he hops. He can't be very fierce, exclaimed the head of all the cops. 
And now, without excuse, I'd like to introduce this charming glowworm, lover of simplicity. She is easy to install on your ceiling or your wall. And although this smacks a bit of citrusy, it is really rather clever. For thereafter, you will never, you will never, never, never have the slightest need for using electricity. At which no less than 52 policemen cried, if this is true, that creature'll get some fabulous publicity. And here we have Miss Spider with a mile of thread inside her, who has personally requested me to say that she's never met Miss Muffet on her charming little tuffet. If she had, she'd not have frightened her away. Should her looks sometimes alarm you, then I don't think it would harm you to repeat at least a hundred times a day. I must never kill a spider. I must only help and guide her and invite her in the nursery to play. The policemen all nodded slightly and the firemen smiled politely. And about a dozen people cried, Hooray! And here's my darling ladybug, so beautiful, so kind, my greatest comfort since this trip began. She has 400 children and she's left them all behind. But they're coming on the next peach if they can. The cops cried, she's entrancing. All the firemen started dancing. All the crowds started cheering to a man. And now the silkworm, James went on, whose silk will bear comparison with all the greatest silks there are in Rome and Philadelphia. If you would search the whole world through, from Paraguay to Timbuktu, I don't think you would find one bit of silk that could compare with it. Even the shops in Singapore don't have the stuff. And what is more, this world silkworm had, I'll have you know, the honor, not so long ago, to spin and weave and sew and press the Queen of England's wedding dress. And she's already made and sent a waistcoat for your president. Well, good for her, the cops cried out. All at once, a mighty shout went up around the Empire State. Let's get them down at once. Why wait? Chapter 38. Five minutes later, they were all safely down, and James was excitedly telling his story to a group of flabbergasted officials. And suddenly, everyone who had come over on the peach was a hero. They were all escorted to the steps of City Hall, where the mayor of New York made a speech of welcome. And while he was doing this, 100 steeplejacks, armed with ropes and ladders and pulleys, swarmed up to the top of the Empire State Building and lifted the giant peach off the spike and lowered it to the ground. Then the mayor shouted, We must now have a ticker tape parade for our wonderful visitors. And so a procession was formed, and in the leading car, which was an enormous open limousine, sat James and all of his friends. Next came the giant peach itself. Men with cranes and hooks had quickly hoisted it onto a very large truck, and there it now sat, looking just as huge and proud and brave as ever. There was, of course, a bit of a hole in the bottom of it where the spike of the Empire State Building had gone in, but who cared about that? or indeed about the peach juice that was dripping out of it onto the street. Behind the peach, 
skidding about all over the place in the peach juice came the mayor's limousine, and behind the mayor's limousine came about 20 other limousines carrying all the important people of the city. And the crowds went wild with excitement. They lined the streets and they leaned out of the windows of the skyscrapers, cheering and yelling and screaming and clapping and throwing out bits of white paper and ticker tape. And James and his friends stood up in their car and waved back at them as they went by. Then a rather curious thing happened. The procession was moving slowly along Fifth Avenue when suddenly a little girl in a red dress ran out from the crowd and shouted, Oh, James, James, could I please have just a tiny taste of your marvelous peach? Help yourself, James shouted back. Eat all you want. It won't keep forever anyway. No sooner had he said this than about 50 other children exploded out of the crowd and came running onto the street. Can we have some too? They cried. Of course you can, James answered. Everyone can have some. The children jumped up onto the truck and swarmed like ants all over the giant peach, eating and eating to their heart's content. And as the news of what was happening spread quickly from street to street, more and more boys and girls came running from all directions to join the feast. Soon there was a trail of children a mile long chasing after the peach as it proceeded slowly up Fifth Avenue. Really, it was a fantastic sight. To some people, it looked as though the Pied Piper of Hamelin had suddenly descended upon New York. And to James, who had never dreamed that there could be so many children as this in the world, it was the most marvelous thing that had ever happened. By the time the procession was over, the whole gigantic fruit had been completely eaten up, and only the big brown stone in the middle licked clean and shiny by 10,000 eager little tongues, was left standing on the truck. Chapter 39 And thus the journey ended. But the travelers lived on. Every one of them became rich and successful in the new country. The centipede was made vice president in charge of sales of a high-class firm of boot and shoe manufacturers. The earthworm, with his lovely pink skin, was employed by a company that made women's face creams to speak commercials on television. The silkworm and Miss Spider, after they had both been taught to make nylon thread instead of silk, set up a factory together and made ropes for tightrope walkers. The glowworm became the light inside the torch on the Statue of Liberty, and thus saved a grateful city from having to pay a huge electricity bill every year. The old green grasshopper became a member of the New York Symphony, Symphony Orchestra, where his playing was greatly admired. The ladybug, who had been haunted all her life by the fear that her house was on fire and her children all gone, married the head of the fire department and lived happily ever after. And as for the enormous peach stone, it was set up permanently in a place of honor in Central Park and became a famous monument. But it was not only a famous monument, it was also a famous house. And inside the famous house, there lived a famous person, James Henry Trotter himself. And all you had to do any day of the week was to go and knock upon the door, and the door would always be open to you, 
and you would always be asked to come inside and see the famous room where James had first met his friends. And sometimes, if you were very lucky, you would find the old green grasshopper in there as well, resting peacefully in a chair beside the fire. Or perhaps it would be the ladybug, who had dropped in for a cup of tea and a gossip. Or the centipede to show off a new batch of particularly elegant boots that he had just acquired. Every day of the week, hundreds and hundreds of children from far and near came pouring into the city to see the marvelous peach stone in the park. And James Henry Trotter, who once, if you remember, had been the saddest and lowliest boy that you could find, now had all the friends and playmates in the world. And because so many of them were always begging him to tell and tell again the story of his adventures on the peach, he thought it would be nice if one day he sat down and wrote it as a book. So he did. And that is what you have just finished reading. The end.